Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. happy that you guys are with us. If it's your first time, thanks for joining us. My name is Julia. I get to serve as our youth pastor here. If you can't tell from my outfit, all the other pastors, they dress nicer, but youth budget, you know what I mean? I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm totally kidding. Well, hey, before I get into our message today, I just want to give honor where it's due. Um, I hope that you guys have been enjoying this series this summer. Um, to hear the Bible verse that changed our life from our staff. And I just want to honor our staff. You know, growing up in this church, it was the people's stories that they told, not always the words that they said on stage, that impacted and changed my life. And how beautiful is it that whether you hold a mic or whether you don't, you have a story worth telling because of God's grace. Amen. So I just want to honor our pastors for sharing this summer, and then I want to honor pastors John and Kristen just for trusting us to shepherd and to walk you through this. Um, Can we just give it up for our pastors this morning? And you know, it's been a great summer, but it's not over yet. It's only going to get sweatier out there, guys. You better stay hydrate. Hydrate, don't dehydrate. You know what I mean? Like We're all going to look like raisins by the end of the summer. It's hot. But, you know, when we were sitting down and planning this series, we all sit at a table, a round table, and we all just look at each other and dream. What does God want to say to us? No, I'm just kidding. Well, kind of, I don't know. (laughs) But the question was, what was the Bible verse that changed your life? And I knew instantly, because this, and I'll get to it in a second, this was the first verse that I wanted to memorize, not that I had to memorize. Did anyone else grow up in the church? Right? Like kids' church, like you guys are like fighting each other to say John 3.16. You like run up against another kid, you're like, I punch you in the throat. God so loved the world that he gave us one and only begotten son. It's like we're competing like as kids. Anyone do JBQ Junior Bible Quiz? Just me. That's awesome. Okay. Imagine that, what I just said, but with buzzers. Okay. I also did this thing called Missionettes, which is just Christian Girl Scouts. But instead of giving cookies to people, We give them Jesus. Okay, so, so you know, yeah, amen. Come on, maybe both in, I don't know. Um, So I grew up in the church, and I grew up having to memorize the Bible verses, having to say it a certain way, and this was the first verse that stuck out to me that I wanted to, not because I had to. This was the first verse where I made the choice in my faith that God's word was going to be real to me not just something I had to know, not just something I sat through a Sunday or a Wednesday service to know. And when I was about 15, 16, I got a Bible that I actually, like it made sense reading it. You guys ever read the King James? And you're like, what? Thou hast help. (laughs) Yeah. So I finally got a Bible that I understood. I actually stole it off my mom's nightstand. Um, It's right here with me. It says, Charlene Puttprush. 5, 18, 22. I think we got it for you for Mother's Day. And I stole it. <laughs> and I never gave it back. <laughs> so I'm really thankful for a God-fearing and forgiving mother. Um, but I started reading the message version when I was 16 because I thought that if God's word was supposed to feed my spirit, then I had to understand what I was getting fed. And so 
the, uh, as I was starting to read the Bible for the first time through on my own accord, I was going through the book of Romans. If you're new to faith, Romans is a great place, a great book to start with. And I came to Romans chapter 9, and in verses 25 and 26, the Apostle Paul is quoting the prophet Hosea in the Old Testament, and he says, Hosea put it this way, I'll call the nobodies and make them somebodies. I will call the unloved and make them be loved. In the place where they yell out, you're nobody, I will call them God's living children. And at 15, 16, this really spoke to me because it spoke directly to my identity. It told me who I was supposed to be, that when everyone else is telling me I'm unloved or I'm whatever, God calls me beloved. When everyone or I'm telling myself I'm nobody, God is calling me somebody. When I feel like I don't, I'm not a part of anything, God is calling me his child. It spoke directly to my identity. And I think it's rare that we would find one thing as humanity that we all struggle with across gender, across generation, across any socioeconomic status. But I think every single one of us in this room can say we've asked the question, who am I? Who am I? And maybe you're like me, dramatic. And you'll like look in the mirror the eve of every birthday. The alarm goes off. <laughs> and you look in the mirror, my birthday's on Tuesday, so I'm just preparing myself. You look in the mirror the eve of every birthday and you just, who am I? You know, I turned 27 on Tuesday. I'm asking, who am I? Almost 30. <laughs> the best days are behind me. I'm kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. Uh, no, okay, anyway. Can't, can't get off track. But, or maybe, you know, you start working out, you get new hobbies, all of a sudden you have muscles. You know, who am I? You know, you start like reading a book, you're, you're an academic, who am I, right? We ask ourselves this question, it doesn't matter if we're a man, a woman, a child, an adult, we ask ourselves this question, who am I? Identity is something that we all identify with. And when we don't know where our true identity comes from, we try to find the answer in whatever we can around us, right? we suddenly become not who we are, but a reflection of what we are around. We bear the weight and the pressure of what people tell us because we value who they tell us to be more than we value who God created us to be. And I want to kind of punch right to the point this morning. Is that okay? I'm going to be like a little honest. I might be like a little loud, but it's okay. You're the second service, so we're going to roll with it. Sound good? Okay, awesome. I want to punch right to the point, and the point this morning is simply this. It's we can't find our identity anywhere other than God. We cannot find our identity anywhere other than God. Why? Because he is the creator of it. We are simply owners. He's the creator of it. You and I are merely owners of our identity. And there's a difference between a creator and an owner. Now, I don't know a lot about cars. Um, I know nothing about cars. I know that they're supposed to move, and you use gas. Some are electric. But if I have a Tesla, which I don't, I have a 2016 Sentra, 
Okay, so don't be like, this pastor drives, no, wrong. Youth pastor budget, baby. Um, if I have a Tesla, if I'm the owner of a Tesla, that's amazing. You may think I'm so cool, or you might hate me. I don't know your opinion. I don't need to. It's cool. But I'm simply the owner of that. I understand what the car needs. I understand what I can do to make it go. But I'm not the creator of that car. If something malfunctions internally, I can't be the one to fix it. Because a creator and an owner are different. A creator and an owner are different. See, the owner will tend to it, but the creator has the vision for it. The owner will tend to it. Something's going wrong. Let me see what I can do. I know how it's supposed to work. But the creator has the vision for it. Here is why this has this. This is exactly what that does when it functions properly. The creator understands it better than any owner ever could. See, we may own our identity, but we are not the creator of it. And when we don't understand that we are owners and not creators, we start to look to other owners to see who we should be. When we forget that I'm just the owner of it, I'm not the creator of it, I start looking at all these other owners. Who should I be? Oh, Jen has a cute dress on. I like her yellow fluffy. I'm going to do that. Oh, she has beautiful hair. I'm going to dye my hair black. Oh, look at her skirt. I'm going to do this. When I forget that I'm simply an owner, not a creator, I start looking at other owners. Who are they? Who am I? And I'm going to be honest with you. When we start to emphasize other owners' voices in our life and in our identity over God, it causes chaos and it causes trouble for us. I don't know about you guys, but I still carry a lot of weight and a lot of labels from what other owners told me from years ago. Maybe you were like me, and when you were a kid, other kids called you weird. Maybe you're like me, and other kids called you loud. Or people, leaders in your life would call you bossy. Or people would tell you you're an outcast unless you did this. Maybe people, I know for me, people would call me a know-it-all. They would say, you're just a know-it-all. People would call me fat. And I would wear these labels. I would identify as these labels. This is a hello sticker. I would say, hi, my name is Loud. Why? Because that's who you tell me I am. I started to identify as the labels that were put on me instead of the true identity that was within me. And as I began to look to what other people said for who I was, I was never satisfied. I could never be satisfied. Because no matter how hard I tried to fit in or how hard I tried to belong, this is not who I was. And I held these labels with me because according to everyone else, this is how they saw me. When we look to anything but the creator to find our identity, we are left with an identity crisis. A crisis is defined as this, a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. An identity crisis is defined as this, a psychological condition, a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure, usually due to a change in their expected goals or role in society. It's when our identity becomes insecure. Do you know that insecurity does not just affect teenagers? 
I was so confused when I found this out at the age of 22. You know, you like go through, you go through high school, you get out of there. I went to school down in Florida, so I'm a whole new me. I'm so fun, I'm tan all the time, tan and tasty baby, I'm tan all the time. It's a great time, the sun shines out, I'm sweating all the time so I'm skinny. Where was I going with this? You know, we go somewhere and we make a new us and then we come back to a place of insecurity and we forget what we wrestle with. And when I was 22, I graduated college, I came back up here, and all of a sudden, the same labels that were put on me years ago started to stick again. I started to have an identity crisis because insecurity is not something that teenagers deal with. It's something we all deal with. And now, all of a sudden, in the middle of my insecurity, I'm the one labeling myself. I'm, I'm too ugly to do anything. I'm still too awkward like I was. I'm just my mistakes. I'll never be a pastor. Don't they know what I've struggled with? I'm not good enough to be anything. And now, no longer am I just carrying the weight of the labels put on me by other people. I'm starting to carry the weight of the labels I gave myself. When we don't know who we were created to be by our creator, we are left not only having an identity crisis, but we were questioned who we were made to be. And my fear is that in our culture today, it's not just you and I having an identity crisis every now and again. Our culture is in the midst of an identity crisis because they don't know who they were created to be. The next generation is in the midst of an identity crisis because they have people putting labels on them that they never should have carried, that they never should have known. They're told to tolerate things that go against this word because it goes with others' words. Our culture is in the midst of an identity crisis. And if we don't know where to call for help, it's going to turn into an identity catastrophe. I want to pull us back into scripture for a second, because before Paul quotes Hosea in verses 25 and 26, with the promise of restoration, he questions the Romans. And maybe, maybe you resonate with what Paul's about to ask. But he says this to them. He says, who in the world do you think you are to second guess God? Ooh, he went there. Do you for one moment suppose that any of us know enough to call God into question? Clay doesn't talk back to the fingers that mold it saying, why did you shape me like this? Isn't it obvious that a potter has a right to shape one lump of clay into a vase for holding flowers and another into a pot for cooking? If you're like me, you've asked God this question. Why am I like this? Why, why am I these labels? Why am I awkward and loud and bossy and fat and ugly? Why am I like this? But who do I think I am to question the one who made me? Because I'm an owner. I'm not the creator. I'm an owner. I contend it, but I didn't have the vision for it. And there is a purpose and who God has made us. There is a purpose in every attribute that God has given you because the lies that we may carry from the labels are actually hidden truth of what God's purpose is for you. Because some might call me loud, but I'm gonna preach that gospel. Some might call me awkward, but I'll sacrifice my dignity so you feel comfortable. 
Some might call me a little weird, but we're going to have a dance party. It's going to be a great time. You can't be a youth pastor without being weird. You know what I mean? We carry labels that people will put on us, and we forget the identity that God has stored in us. Because we're so busy looking at their word, at our word, that we forget the truth of his word. But our identity is not found in their word. It's not found in the word of your friends, your neighbors, not even found in the word of your spouse. Our, word, our, our identity is not found in the words we speak over ourselves. It is only found in his word, which is the word. So if you're looking in the middle of your identity crisis to know who you are, I would say pick up the word of God and find who he made you to be. If you're in the middle of a crisis, you have to know who to call for help. When I was in college, as previously said, um, I was down in Florida, and you know, I had a best—I have a best friend. Her name's Des. She's amazing. I love her so much. I'm gonna send her the sermon. She's gonna be, feel so honored that I mentioned her. And Des and I were joyriding. We're living a great time. Uh, has anyone ever been to a Publix? Okay, a Publix. Publix started in Florida. That's God's redemption for the state of Florida, because it's a lawless swamp plant. So He gave them Publix. And so Des and I were going. We're getting pub subs. Just a deli sandwich, but covered by the grace of God, I guess. We're getting our pub subs, and then we're riding back to campus, and we're about to turn onto our campus boulevard, and all of a sudden, this guy on a motorcycle, bam, gets hit. He's laid out in front of us on the road. We are in a crisis situation, and what you don't realize is that I am a six-year certified trained lifeguard. veteran lifeguard baby this guy gets hit he's laid out des is pre-med i'm a lifeguard doctor lifeguard equal (laughs) i'm like des we have to pull over we have to help this guy no one else is stopping this is a crisis she's like do we have to pull over i'm like des i am a certified red cross lifeguard (laughs) we gotta pull the car over right now so we pull over this guy He's just, he's just there. I go. The one thing I say, spine stabilization. We're right here. I'm holding his head. Sir, are you okay? Do not talk to me. I do not want you to risk your spine. A nurse shows up. Thank God. A nurse shows up. She takes over because I was getting tired. <laughs> Same training. She takes over. I'm like, someone call 911 immediately. No one leave. We are all witnesses to a crime. If you saw this happen, you stay here until the police get here. Keep him in spine stabilization. Because in the middle of a crisis, you have to know how to help. If you don't, it can instantly turn into a catastrophe. If you don't, it can instantly turn into a catastrophe and that's the same for our identity and it's the same for our faith if we don't know where we're supposed to call or who we're supposed to call on our crisis will turn into a catastrophe there's a big difference when you're having a heart attack of calling 911 and going to Dunkin Donuts and there's a big difference when you're having an identity crisis of calling your gossiping friend or going to the word of God 
Because if I'm looking at other owners to tell me who my identity is and they don't know the truth of my identity from the word of God, I'm not going to find it in them. If I'm looking to YouTube or to Instagram or to other websites to tell me who I am, but they're not lined up with the truth of the word of God, I'm not going to find out who I am. When we seek, and, and here's the thing, don't mishear me on this. It's okay for your friends to affirm you. It's okay for you to look in the mirror in the morning. Sometimes I do this because I need to. You're amazing. You're beautiful. God loves you. It's me. <laughs> affirmation is not a bad thing, but when we seek affirmation in place of our identity from other people, it's dangerous. When we seek validation from other people more than we seek the truth of the word of God in our life, it's dangerous. So that means that if we, if you are seeking your identity, you're not going to find it in your relationship. You're not going to find it in your friends. You're not going to find it in your high-paying job, in your Instagram likes. You're not going to find it on your Facebook post, who won the comment war. You're not going to find it on your YouTube videos, in your cool cars, and your great clothes. You're not going to find it where the creator is not. If you're looking for your identity, you're not going to find it where the creator is not. If we're seeking identity, we have to seek our creator. Psalm 121, it says this. Maybe you know it. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He is the maker of heaven and earth. I want to say that again. If you know it, say it with me. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. See, if God created it, God has purpose for it. And we are image bearers of God. God made all of creation. He made every animal, every insect, every beautiful tree, every mountain, everything that you could ever imagine of beauty, but he only made one thing in his image, and that's you and that's me. He only made one thing in his image. And if God created it, God has purpose for it. When we look to the Lord for our identity, we find who he says we are made to be. Where we saw failure, God gives grace. Where we saw brokenness, God brought healing. When we were lost, it wasn't your friend that found you, it was God that found you. When we said that we were unlovable, it was God who reminded us that we were already loved. When we felt like we were nobody, overlooked, overseen, and forgotten, it was God who said, you are somebody. You know, one of the most beautiful parts about the scripture that Paul's quoting from Hosea is the context of it. See, Hosea, he's crying out, he's prophesying to the people of Israel. And they've walked away from the Lord. They were God's chosen people. They walked away from the Lord to the point that the nations around them didn't even recognize them as being God's people. Didn't even recognize them as God's children. And Hosea, he's telling the nation of Israel this. He says, where you were unloved, you will be, be loved. Where they said that you were nobody, God will call you somebody. 
And when they said that you are not his children, God reminds you that you are still his children. The most beautiful part of this point in Hosea is that God brings restoration to their identity. Because there was nothing, there was no distance that they could have walked away from God that he wouldn't have offered restoration back to them. God offers restoration and brings restoration to their identity. And the Lord does the same for you and I. God brings restoration to our identity. And, you know, as a female youth pastor, I deal a lot with teenage girls. You know, Alec gets to hang out with the guys and take them to B-dubs and play Fortnite. And I get to love on our girls and hand them tissues and pat their back and feed their Starbucks addiction as we point everything back to Jesus. It's a great time. Youth ministry is amazing. And the most frequent question I get from our girls and sometimes some of our guys is, how are you so confident? And it confuses me every time. They're like, how are you so confident? And I'm like, do you mean loud? How am I so loud? No, no, no. How are you so confident? And it's a weird question for me because I don't feel like I'm a very confident person because I've carried the weight of these labels for so long. I don't feel like, like I'm a great portrayal of what it is to have confidence because I let these scar me in my identity. I think I have carried the weight of the labels that other people had put on me for so long, I didn't realize that once I became grounded in God, these labels were covered by his grace. And we carry so much stuff with us, you know. We all, we carry so much stuff with us. Sometimes we're not even willing to deal with it. If you're like me, you'll overthink stuff and you'll think about how the waitress looked at you like four weeks ago and you'll still cry about it. We carry so much weight. Maybe you keep reminding yourself of the past mistakes you've made or you think, how can I be better? Or you think, well, this person didn't go through that so they're better than me. And you forget that your labels are not your identity. We carry our labels that we for so much so that we forget our identity. And when I get asked this question, how do I get confident? How do I become confident like you? My only answer is ever Jesus. If you want to be confident, you have to know your creator. If you want to be confident, you have to know what the word of God says. Because as soon as I started rooting myself in his word and not looking at what all the other owners around me were saying, all of a sudden the labels that I had were starting to get covered up by grace. See, I wasn't loud. I was actually a light in the world to spread the gospel of Jesus. See, I wasn't ugly. I was actually fearfully and wonderfully made. See, I, I wasn't too awkward for people. I was actually God's somebody, purposed and redeemed. I wasn't too weird. I was actually redeemed and forgiven. I wasn't bossy. I'm a victor by Christ. So many. I'm forgiven. I am loved because when I understood where my identity came from and where it didn't, I could take on the weight of the labels by the covering of grace. And this morning, 
I just want to speak God's truth over you. The label you may be slapping over your identity is not who you are. The label of your mistake, the label of your past, the label of your sin is not who you are. Because the enemy will call you by by your mistakes, but God will call you by name. Your identity is not what other people have put on you. Your identity is not even what you have put on yourself. Expectations or failures or mistakes. Your identity is only ever seen in the words of the Father. So what identity do you need to accept today? Do you need to accept that you're forgiven? Do you need to accept that you're loved? Do you need to accept that you have a purpose? Do you need to accept that you are chosen? That you're redeemed? That you're restored? Do you need to accept that you're joyful? Because God's word says that sorrow might last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Do you need to accept that you're strong? Because his word says, I can do all things through his strength not my own. You know, on each one of your seats, there's a little hello card. And I don't know the identity that you might need today. You probably do. And I want to encourage you, whether it's right now in this moment or maybe you go home today, write down the identity that God has given you and slap it over the labels that other people have tried to put on you. That's our challenge. It's not to walk with the weight of labels of others. It's to walk in the identity of who God has made us to be. Because our identity is in him and nothing else. And we can't find it without finding him. So if you're seeking today, if you feel lost today, if you feel weighed down today, if you feel like mentally there's too much in here from what people have told you, find out who you are by finding out who God is. Because we might be the owners, but he is our only creator. We're going to pray, and I just want to pray this passage of Romans 9, 25, and 26 over you one more time. And I'm just going to say this, as everyone closes their eyes, bows their head, if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I've been walking with a weight. I've been walking, living according to the labels and not according to my God-given purpose. Would you just raise your hand so I can pray specifically for you? Yeah, I see that hand. Yep. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray this over us. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray and I plead this scripture over every person in this room. That you, where we have been called nobodies, you make them somebodies. That where we have been called unloved, you make them your beloved. That while we may have been called out as nobody, you are calling us your living children. God, I thank you that your word is true and that your word is the sense in the place of our identity. 
that we are not bound to what those around us are telling us, that we are not bound to the negative thoughts of who we say we are, but God, you tell us who we are, that we are your beloved, that we are your children, that we are more than conquerors, that we are strong because of you. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that our identity is not found in anything but you. If we need peace today, Lord, give us peace. If we need strength today, God, give us your strength. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.